If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump. This specific one. Yeah, we talk all about uh, pain, in particular back pain, but we start out the episode with our introductory conversation. We mention the gym and t-shirt business. Not necessarily the most lucrative things you can do. Not at all. For a career. We talk about the future of the fitness industry, and we talk about my second all-day workout. And then, of course, Mm -hmm. the majority of the episode, we talk about pain, and in particular, back pain. Now, we do have a free guide that can talk about, or that can help you at least, alleviate some of your own back pain. That's the most common type of pain that Americans suffer today. I think at any given moment, something like a quarter of all Americans have some kind of chronic back pain. But we have a guide that highlights different things you can do to help your uh, back pain out, and it's absolutely free. Go to mindpumpfree.com, download the back pain guide. It's totally free. We also have a back pain series on our YouTube channel. It's also free. Uh, the YouTube channel is Mind Pump TV, and also we have a new website. Yeah, we coming, do. Let's coming, talk about it. It's coming together, man. It's you know what? Finally, and and I know this is probably still the the second. Are we in third, second, or third rendition of the website? And probably not the final, final. But mm. we are, I think, getting closer to our brand. What we want to look like, right? Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, and this and, is like your sneak peek of finally, like what you know, where we're going with this. And there's uh, new bundles on this uh, website. So new bundles where we take multiple maps programs and put them together. But this time they're a little bit more specific uh, for people like, um, you know, the businessman bundle uh, or, you know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of different types of bundles you can check out on this brand new site. The site is Maps Fitness Products. Dot com. And then, of course, the guide that we're talking about, the backpack guide that's free, is at mindpumpfree.com. And uh, that's it. Enjoy the episode. Dude, the, all these guys, I feel so bad for them because... He just hasn't evolved. Yeah, it's a t- dude, he's got a t-shirt business and a gym. Two of the out of all the businesses I've done, and I've done all those. Those are the worst. Those are yeah. the, my my like, the hardest. Like if someone asked me, like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a t-shirt business or it's opening like, a gym. Bam. Don't, don't. Don't yeah. and don't. And that's what everybody thinks is like the... The success, that's the recipe for this industry. No, the, the 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 recipe for owning a gym is, do you like to live in a gym and work in a gym? You know what's funny? That's though? why you open a gym. The, the recipe, yeah. I mean, people think that that's success only because they're naive to like what a real successful fitness business, you know what a real successful business looks like? EAS, a brand that's been around for like yeah. forever. You know, bodybuilding.com. Supplement you know, businesses, yeah. Well, gyms make a lot. Gyms can make a lot of money. Oh, but yeah. It's 24 not, Hour Fitness. Yeah, gold, whatever. Planet, Planet Fitness. But people don't realize the money that goes oh, into those. So much money to no, get but to for, that level. Yeah, but you understand. See, look at people have to look at Planet Fitness, Gold's, 24 Hour Fitness, Crunch, the, whatever. Crunch. These brands as individual single brands. That's yeah. one. Okay, that's four you ju- we just let rattled off right now that are extremely successful. How many hundreds of thousands of people attempt to build that model and fail? And and how many of them do you see like flash Endless. flash in the pan? I, I have a buddy that owns a gym and he he does all right. You know he he makes good money with it, but he's there all the time. And, and, and you're definitely- the amount of work that's in. I mean, I managed. I managed gyms for 24-hour fitness, and I was there all the time. I didn't yeah, even own I mean, it. I you got to sleep there. I mean, that's that's yeah. just how it has to go. Well, at the end of the day, like a, a really profitable one means you're you're making six figures, bro. You're not making seven, eight figures in the mm-hmm. gym, uh, owning a gym. Show me that guy. It's rare. Yeah. It, it can happen, but it's rare. It's yeah. definitely rare. It's beyond rare. I don't know one. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you're you know, right. I knew I knew individual 24-hour fitnesses that made a lot of money, but that's oh, because they were part of a big- ex- Part of a company that's pumping $25 million a year they in advertising. They take out a bunch of investors, too, to get them to- Of like, course. You know, like most, yeah, most, most gyms don't even make it to that point where they can even propose that. And then know? let's talk about the t-shirt thing. Everybody- T-shirt business? Yeah, the t-shirt business. It's like- we all we all look at like these brands that we like you know Brixton like just, Justin's wearing right now like super cool brand and stuff like yeah but that's you know name off all these big name brands that have been la- around for 10 15 20 plus years and then look at all the ones that nobody knows of yeah like and then you know one person because Instagram you know we can we can all be connected all over the world some insta celebrity kid 
that has an apparel line, yeah, you know, and he makes good money doing that because he's got millions of people paying attention. But he does not have a business. I think the reason why it's not a real business, bro. The reason why you see so many people get into the t-shirt business is it's low barrier to enter nowadays. Of course, mm-hmm. it's easy to start a t-shirt business. It's yes, easy to find a place. Of course, that, it's yeah. why I, why I wanted to do it when I was twenty. And why then I wanted to do it again when I was twenty four. Well, look at all know? businesses. Then I wanted nothing to do with it by the time I was twenty eight. Look at all look <laughs> yeah. at all businesses that an entrepreneur can or you know segments of the market that an entrepreneur can jump into. I mean, most of them are really hard. I, I can't think of one that's like, oh yeah, that's a that's a good. You get into that business, you're gonna. All of them are hard. Yeah, yeah. All of them are hard. Some are harder than others. But here's the thing, okay? So, but look at those things like the T-shirt thing. Like when I see someone do that. Like here's here's the the naive part of me when I got into it like the people that are dominating that space the Brixtons like this the the people behind a brand like that Nike okay the amount of money that goes into the designers and the people that are that have the artistic ability to create something and then to stay ahead of the fashion and like yeah. that yeah, but that's already after they've been known you have to actually get known first you could have the best how are yeah. you people going to yeah. know what your and shirt you is be thrifty in the same process which well, is and, like and that's a really hard combo great point another great point point. and many of these brands that are t-shirt brands that we rock and we wear and we all talk about started because of a different mm. business model nike solved the problem Yes. Nike solved a running shoe. Waffle. Yes. uh, They solved a shoe problem and it took him a decade, over a decade to to, make money, to make real money. And then now, now it's turned into this line that's amazing and awesome. Santa Cruz skateboards. Like they, I mean, they basically had the best trucks you could get. And that's what got them to where they are. And then the merchandise of the the t-shirts, everybody sees their t-shirts. I see them everywhere. I was just baffled that they were like, that's not even close to being our main source of income. Right. That's their advertising, basically. Right. And so you see a lot right now, what you see is first the the pressure by influencers and or you know, but for people to want to be an influencer, right? And get out of this audience. So it's like, okay, I just gotta get this audience. You know, I gotta get hundred thousand people, a million people looking at me. So I'll do whatever it takes, whether it be flashy cars or showing my ass or whatever it takes to get this audience. And then what I'll do is I'll, I can do anything. I could sell shirts. I could sell. Sometimes I wish it was easy as just showing my ass. You know what I mean? For you, <laughs> you probably, uh, hold Imagine. on. Imagine. Yeah. I've seen your ass. Yeah, we haven't You will tried, get no. a lot of followers. We haven't tried this. You will get a lot of followers, but they're going to be worthless. Backfire. Yeah. The wor- <laughs> That's your hashtag? Yeah. With the butt picture? Yeah, backfire. backfire. <laughs> <laughs> I should have like backfire like shorts. That's your you stripper know, name? Like, yeah, just have like yeah. holes and smoke. All right, everybody. Smoke. Welcome to the stage. Backfire. Backfire. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I get He's this. big. I He's get round. To, I get this sexy posing thing if if you're going to like, if your your end goal is to sell a you know an all nude paid subscription website like that makes sense to me like it makes sense to have your teasing instagram sure. and you get a million people following and then it's like oh by the way That's 999 very smart strategy yeah to me that that makes other sense. than that yeah it, it doesn't it's not well yeah or if you sell calendars or um, pictures or models like that like i could see that that's but. the thing man people get really screwed up with social media is they think the more followers they have the better not yeah, really no. not necessarily it's the more not if you're trying to not get the casual looking. Not ladies. if you're trying to build a business. If you're, trying to build a, if you're trying to build a business, I mean, let's think of this way. So, it, Instagram is like a another marketing or advertising tool. Nobody starts there first, building a real substantial business. If you're going to build a real a real substantial business, the first it's not like we all got together and go like, "Hey, guys, I have this idea on how to sell something." You know, let's talk all about the selling p- part before you even had an idea of what the fuck you're going to sell. Well, think one, about that. It's a backwards yeah. way of thinking. It it's is. A, There's a supplement company that did that, though. Oh yeah, Shreds did that. Yeah, Shreds did that. That's what they maximized. They maximized how to sell right their product through social media. Yeah. But then again, you know, yeah, and their product was an afterthought. Yeah, yeah. You see well, how that worked out. For and there them. and there's always exceptions to the rule. Like they proved a, a model that you can do that. So mm-hmm. it's and but now you, they were the first early adopters to like Instagram and having all like getting all those different accounts. And so you know, timing is a lot. Timing. Uh, oh, yeah. timing is everything in business. You know that, right? Yeah. Everything in business. And so um, if if Shreds hit the market right now. They yeah, wouldn't try to wouldn't do that. Even, wouldn't work. Wouldn't no, work. It's no. people are too savvy to it already. Now mm-hmm. people are smart to it, and so all these other people that are just now getting caught up, and they're trying to push all these. It's just. I mean, it's it's this timeless like sort of hustle of like snake oil, yeah. right? It's always the same pattern. Like you get there, and you get like exposure to people who are like 
you're like, oh wow, yeah, there's something here, mm-hmm. and it's and, and then the bullshit comes out. Well, yeah. you know, I got I get uh, these in my DMs all the time, like somebody who wants me to pay them to help me optimize my Instagram, and when I turn them down, oh. they they come back like. You know, like, you don't, don't you know how much lead this and that? And they start telling me all the stats on how I'm like, listen, like, I want to learn how to, how to grow my audience by myself because I want to be able to use it as a litmus test. I want to post something and put something out there or say something or do something. And then I want to see the response that I get. And I, then I also want to be able to see how much that aligns with my values, my business and what I'm trying to do. And I'll just keep reformulating that until I, I'm providing value for people's lives that that's why they tune in and they come in. And that's really what, what we did here was, you know, we, we, we knew we had a lot to offer and it was like, okay, so let's just put it out there. And it was enough. And even though we weren't talented and good at what we did, we had enough we inf- giving. Yeah. We were giving enough we value, giving value and information that we were starting to get feedback. Oh my God, that helped me out so much. Oh, okay. So then we started to form a business around that where I think that's where a lot of people miss is instead of thinking about how can I provide value for other people's lives so they keep coming back or they stay with me forever because I've provided so much Mm -hmm. value for their life, then you've got a real substantial business. Then you can sell shirts, then you can do all these other other things, but you first need to provide something that's a long-lasting value that makes them- Right, those those rules- Will never change. Right, doesn't Those matter. Are the same business rules that applied hundred years ago, years ago yeah. fifty years ago, and today. The difference today is the barrier to enter the market is much smaller and much lower, much, much, much lower. But that's it. So back then, you know, fifty years ago, you could have a really great product, a really great idea, lots of value, but then the barrier to pre- present that product to the market was an expensive TV commercial, or you had to open up a storefront business brick and mortar, which costs a lot of money or, you know, whatever. It was just a high barrier. Today, that barrier is much lower, but you still need to have good value and a good product. It doesn't, just because the barrier is low, just because anybody can start a podcast or anybody could start an Instagram or anybody could do a social media page or almost anybody now can start a t-shirt line. You know, 50 years ago, it was hard to start a t-shirt line. Today, there's websites. You can, I could design a t-shirt right now and get it delivered to my door, you know, next week. Right. Be, just because of that, more people are like, oh, cool, I can. it's going to work for me. Well, not really. You still need to have, and I like the fact that the barriers are low. I like the fact that now we see more and more opportunities for people, but you still have to, be, I mean, you still got to have the, you got to have the stuff still. Otherwise, it ain't going to happen. The sauce, brother. The yeah, sauce. Man. It's the sauce. You got to have the sauce. Yeah. You gotta have everybody, the sauce. everybody run around with the juice, dude. Yeah, you like the sauce, eh? The sauce is good. Everybody run around with the juice thinking they yeah. got it. No, yeah. son, you ain't got it. You it's the, the fucking juice. sauce, it man. Like a, it sounds like a book. You got to have the recipe. Adam man. Schaefer, the sauce. <laughs> How to get the sauce. <laughs> That's yeah. good. That's good. Stuff. The brick and mortar business for me, I, I look at that because I owned a brick and mortar business and I look at that and I'm like, wow, I don't think I'd ever do that again. It costs so much. If you were to open a small store, just a small store in in you know mainstream America, it's going to cost you between, depending on what you're selling, twenty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars, probably on average. Yeah, you average probably around fifty, sixty thousand dollars, just to open your. That's pretty minimum too. That's minimum. I mean, yeah. we're not around here, but in other places in the, yeah. in the country. And you're talking a very small square footage of what you're small. Yeah, yeah, you're you're talking like maybe a couple thousand square feet. So you know, fifty, sixty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars. You have a brick and mortar business, and you're limited to the people that live within what a five mile radius or whatever to sell your product. And then if you have a product, you have to keep on the shelf. Now the cost of inventory, yeah. employees, you got to be there all the time. Wow, that is a that is a tough business. Yeah, With, I know. I feel for people that are still in that situation, like a retail, like mom and pop kind of a, a storefront, because it's just a changing, changing environment. With Amazon and with all these big players, like you just see a real big struggle for the whole retail industry. It's cha- yeah. Everything's changing. And this is a good thing. And, and the, you know, I've gotten conversations with people where they're like, oh my God, the poor business person over here, the poor, you know, area of the market where these people are being employed. This is how, this is how humans increase efficiency. This is why things are so much easier today than they were a hundred years ago. Because we make things easier. We make things more efficient, which saves resources and allocates them better. Yeah. Life gets better for everyone, but along the way, things have to change. Yeah. You know, the shoe cobblers don't really exist anymore. You know, is that a good thing? 
Well, yeah. I mean, shoes are way more accessible to most people. They're way less expensive. Right. They don't and, take that much ma- like maintenance, you know, in right. order to keep them up. Now, it's a bad thing for the shoe cobbler, who now that's a lost art and skill. But that's, of course. you know, most jobs that existed 100 years ago don't exist today Yeah. because of that. So it's just it's just the way it works. And the brick and mortar businesses, I I don't see many of them in the form that they are now surviving. Well, they really won't be in the, they won't be in the form, but it's going to change. For it's sure. just it has gonna, to. It's yeah. just going to change a little. I think. I think. I mean, if I were to start a gym now, you know, n- no doubt I I would be doing this something like this to complement it. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, there would still be like let's say a mind pump didn't exist. We've never met. I for some reason think that I'm going to open a gym, and I think that's a good idea. And knowing where we're at in the times that we are with social media, with podcasting, with YouTube, with all these tools and resources, I for sure, even though the gym and the brick and mortar and the traffic through the gym is my priority, I would actually be putting a lot of energy and focus. And and, and you know who gets into this is Gary V talks a lot about this right now. Like he, I was just watching one of his talks where he was kind of yelling at the audience that like, what are you doing right now if you're not on one of those major platforms? If you're not on a YouTube, if you're not on, on, on a podcast, if you're not on Instagram, you're not on Facebook, what the fuck are you doing? Because that's you're, you're establishing real estate right now, mm-hmm. and you should be. You know, and if you're in business, if you're an entrepreneur- It's like not having a sign on, on the front of your store. Or like not having a business card. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the same thing now. No, it is. It's a, it absolutely is that, and it's something that just you know, if you started this, how many people started a business and years and years and years and years went by, and it finally you're making really good money. Like that happens more often than not. And so, you the last thing you want. I mean, I remember us talking about the YouTube. Like we just now rolled over a hundred thousand subscribers. Well, we got a late start. You know, we were a year in before we turned that on. Now, mind you, there was a lot of reason behind that. We were still doing other jobs, why we were doing this. And so we kind of had to work around everyone's schedules and we had to piece that together. But I mean, I just think about like this next year, I believe that we'll scale to a million. And because it's a very, it's a snowball effect. Like, and uh, yeah, the Casey, bigger you get, the faster you grow. Right. Casey Neistat just rolled over 10 million and he did a, a little, a cool little clip on this. And I think this is so, this is true for us, at least uh, building our YouTube channel is, you know, it was true for the podcast, even. Right, right. Like 100,000 subscribers was really, or he goes into his 10 million, right? He says 10 million subscribers was, uh, was, wasn't that hard, he says. It says not as hard as it was to- To get to a million. To get million. to a million. And he goes, you know, but a million was really, really hard, but it wasn't as hard as it was for me to get to 100,000. And he goes, but it, it was even harder to get to 10,000. He goes, 10,000 is really like that was the hardest it ever was for him to get to that point. So we spent the first year really kind of catching that momentum to get to like 10,000 because it has snowballed since then. I remember us adding 10 to 15 to 30 subscribers every single day and like being excited about that and then actually putting it into a calculator and going like, oh, fuck. If we, if we <laughs> do this, pace, yeah, yeah, if we kept going at that pace, oh my god, right? Like and we were, I was happy. Years I was happy because I knew we were we were adding enough value that people were finding us and they were subscribing to the channel. Therefore, I knew we were we were on the right path. But when and it was it was encouraging because anybody who's turned on a YouTube and started doing it, like nothing's worse than not seeing subscribers every single day. So then, just the fact that we are seeing fifteen to twenty a day, but then when you punch it into a calculator, and I go. Jesus, you know how many how many decades is it going to take before we ever even get get even really truly noticed or on the map? And mm-hmm. so, you know, it takes a long time to plug away at that. And you, if you're in business right now, you don't want to wait because you're gonna have. There's going to be a growth period. There's going to be a trial and error figuring out. Well, what does what complements your business? What what type of content should you be putting out? I think on these people platforms? too need to realize that they they're going to have to plug at it for at least a year before they see any kind of traction. It takes at least a year. Or longer for for you to start seeing things happen. Well, I, I mean, with all of our resources, the fact that we had a podcast that was already popular at the time it still took us a while before we saw anything really start to happen. Oh yeah. So you, the average person getting started, it's like, well, I think people, you know, they believe in that viral effect. That's super rare. It takes yeah. a long it's time not, to get it's, that. Shit. It's not real. It's not. No. I mean, it, if you read the book Hitmakers, it debunks that. It's it doesn't go viral. It's that you did something that somebody with a million followers shared and then another person with a million followers shared that and that's what we we constitute as as viral but really it's because it got in the it was something 
funny enough or smart enough or helpful enough of value. Well, even then, that video is not going to carry you very far. Great point. So you have that viral video and you got what you wanted, but then like people go through all the rest of your other videos that aren't even close to being, you know, to the quality or whatever the attraction was that brought it to the forefront. And they look at it and they're like, ah, and then they don't subscribe and they move along. And then also value wise, like what did that, did that video provide enough value to where people now will want to buy something? From you, that's a big one. I also think a lot of people rely uh, rely on the fact that they think, oh, if I get a lot of subscribers and views, I'm gonna make all this money off of YouTube advertising. You don't make shit off YouTube advertising until you're massive. Yeah, you have to be really, really big before you start to make <laughs> some money off of YouTube, and it's not even that much. Even yeah, then, people are following you around for years. Yeah, yeah. it's not even much. Then, well, I so. just I explained that on an interview that I just recently did. That I think that there's this big misconception of oh, once you get to this many, it's like our YouTube business is. It, we've always known the importance of it to complement the rest of the business, and we we have invested in it. Um, but when you look at it, it's a, it's losing. It's losing every month. It costs us more money. It costs more money when you talk about video, video guy, videographers, editors, the time for it to be shot, the hourly you got to pay someone to shoot all that and handle all that, the time that it takes us to create the content for it and do all that. Like, I mean, when you do, when you factor all that in, and then uh, what's YouTube making the company right now? Twenty five hundred dollars a month. Like, yeah. are you fucking kidding mm-hmm. me? Like, it does. It costs more money to make all that happen. So I love it when you share our personal numbers on. <laughs> you know you know why i do that too it's like i i used to fucking hate Adam keeps it real yeah, yeah no it is that because i appreciate what i don't like what drives me crazy and, I, and i've and in my life i've experienced well, it's good because there's a lot of bullshitters yes out there. Yeah. i've experienced no, I, I appreciate i've experienced it. this so much in my life where I'm, I'm genuinely trying to figure out you know something about business and i'm asking people who i think are the people i should be asking because they look like they're successful and they fluff me fucking numbers and then when i get in there and i start doing the work i'm like god damn that guy was doing that off of this this just it's not working out the way and then i find out later on just like he's bullshitting you know and it it reminds me of sales when we're when we're in sales well this is what guys would do all the time like you ask him, like, yo, you know, how you, how you doing? Like, how much you making? Everything like that. Oh, bro. I just, you know, and what they do is they they pick the best month they had in their life. That's yeah. their average. And average. then they multiply it by 12. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, and so it's not really a full lie. It's like uh, a half lie, yeah, right? That, that month they forgot to pay you the month before, so you got two paychecks. <laughs> yeah. So people, but people. That's just across the board ego. You ask somebody it, go their golf yeah. game. You yeah. Know, how much can you bench? The best yeah. like ever. Yeah. yeah. So you, you talk to these guys and about how successful their business and it's like you can't measure it by the dude who's driving around in the Mercedes or or has the nice car but just because you know that he wastes all his money he makes every month on a payment on a big car like that doesn't mean he's really really successful or he has a business model that's fucking crushing it so that uh, the reason why I share is by all means not a bragging like you don't hear me on here talking about big numbers that we've done or whatever records we've broken I mean month over month this business is scaling and growing but I don't sit here and, and say like that I say it more like hey listen don't be fooled. Like, there's been a lot of money spent, a lot of time invested, a lot of work put into growing it to where it's at. Yeah, high five. We hit a hundred thousand subscribers, but if we still look, losing money, yeah, but it's <laughs> it's negative fucking fifty grand for the year. So, yeah. you know, I think that keeping it real with people, and you don't see us quitting. You know, you don't see any of us going like, oh, fuck it, hang it up, you guys. Let's let's put that fifty grand in all of our pockets and just stop doing YouTube. Mm-hmm. We see the the long term value. We see the value we're adding to our audience, and we're learning. Like it's. There's been a major learning curve in this whole process of, you know, what what is it that we can provide to this audience that keeps them coming back, keeps them subscribing or sharing it with others? And, you know, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of we're surrounded by a lot of a lot of fluff out there, especially in fitness. Oh, my goodness. If I if I see one more person selling a bullshit supplement in front of their rented out car or another person talking about. (laughs) Their fucking mastermind that's going to teach you how to make money off of your social media. I swear to God, I'm going to throw up. No. I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a collapse that's yeah. going to happen in that that little social media oh, you fitness have, world. Well, you, we called it way back when when we talked about all the free content we're getting. You know when the collapse is going to be when a business like ours can afford to just give sh- all that information for free. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what we're going to do. That's right. what we're going to do, too. Yeah. <laughs> so make your money while you can. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What was it when we? I, I said that like the first year about something. I don't remember. We got we got on a rant. I don't remember what it was. If it was YouTube or fuck or I don't remember what we were talking about. 
but I remember saying that that we were coming for all of them, and that yeah. was before shreds went under or any of the, any of those people like that. I don't know. I just remember Tom Billy saying, you know, whatever can be free will be free at some point, and I think that we all have that mentality where it's like all these gatekeepers that like they're withholding this like secret success formula. You know, it's pure horseshit. You right. know, and it, and it's like if you're going to be honest and. And just, um, you know, help genuinely want to help people that's going to pay back in dividends, you know, in comparison. So. The future is decentralized. The future is sharing. The future is information. However easy it is to access information now, however low cost it is now, you could multiply that by a factor of I don't know how much, a million uh, in the future. It's going to literally be that insane. And it's going to cause the biggest shift in God, it's going to be the biggest societal shift I think modern societies could even could even imagine. I mean, when patents are going to be obsolete, when I'll be able to download the the the, the blueprints to print myself something, when I can, you know, rather than having to buy things, we have this sharing app that allows us all to utilize things. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very very interesting. And the people that are going to drown are the ones that are not going to learn how to change. Mm-hmm. You got to change, man. And the faster the market changes the faster you got to change mm-hmm. to keep up with it. So I think it's cool. I think it's exciting. I don't mind competition. I don't mind that yeah. kind of change. It's an all new challenge. I mean, and you just have to think forward. You have yeah. to think about the future and think about all these things that are happening. Yeah. Well, now, spe- speaking of change, so this weekend I'm going to do another one of those uh, full day workout things where I go in and do a workout every single hour. Is this going to have the same structure, same amount of load, like same exercises, or is it going to look different? You know, I was thinking about that. Like, should I make it different? Should I test something else out? And I, you know, when you test something out, I think it's important to repeat the formula again to see. Oh, of course. You dude. know, the same one, thing. One time is yeah. not. I would give you shit if you did otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> so I I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm just going to lift. I'm going to go heavier. And that's only because I think that I... I was too low on the last workout. I feel like okay. I could have gone heavier. Okay. So I'm going to add about 20 pounds, 15 to 20 pounds to every lift. See how it goes. But same exact thing. Uh, 8 a.m. workout, two hour, an hour and a half later, or two hours later. Except another for the workout. hike. Didn't you hike in between? Not going to hike. Yeah. Not going to yeah. hike this time. I'm going to stay inside. I, I'm going to be riding at the same time. So in between the workouts, I'm going to be riding more guides and stuff like that for us. But I'm And stretching and mobility. But no, no hiking in between. And I think last time I did five workouts, I think this time if I don't do the hike, I may be able to do six or seven, but I'm still going to listen to my body. And I'm going to feed myself. That's what I do during that. I did that in the last one too. I was able to feed myself a decent amount of calories and carbohydrates because of you know all the activity. Now, after you did that, like I did a lot of thinking on it and, and I was like thinking about all the stuff that I've learned over all the years is when it comes to building muscle and you know, I think about what what are like the the most major factors that would dictate me to either build muscle or to you know lose lose weight or lose muscle or lose body fat, mm-hmm. lose anything, atrophy, right? So mm-hmm. atrophy or or to build. And you know, when I think of the single greatest two factors that will guarantee you you will build muscle, right? Now aside from any random exceptions to the rule because of something else that you have health conditions and all things equal and you're healthy and like you are going going after a, a weekend like this nothing uh proves to me that you can do that makes a bigger difference than eating in a surplus and increasing volume mm-hmm. and so whether you do that in a single workout or spread out over 14 workouts in a week, or divided over three in a workout, that single factor alone, in my opinion, will will show you those same results or close to those same results no matter what. And so that's my theory on why that, I mean, you already said, I mean, one of the things you were blown away was the amount of volume you were able to handle on the day. So no doubt if you were to go back and you were- I wouldn't you know, be able to do it in a workout. You're right. That's the benefit of it. The benefit of it, I was able to throw yeah, but what so I, much volume so at my body. what I'm saying, though, is if you took that same amount of volume, that you total volume you did that single day, and you just tacked it on top of all of your workouts that you were doing throughout the week, I would argue that some of the, the same effects and benefits that you're noticing in your body would be pretty close to the same, if I, not the same. I don't know. I don't think they'd be the same because it's it, it's so different. I don't think they'd be the same. So it's like saying, it's like saying, because look, I'll give you an example. So they do studies and they find that 
when you uh, you do the same total volume for the week, but you do you train your whole body, you know, once a week. Uh, in other words, one body part a day versus doing the same total volume, same everything, but you train your whole body three or four days a week. Studies consistently will show that you build more muscle, more strength with more frequency, even though the volume is exactly the same for the whole week. Now, what I'm doing in one day is is very, very different, but that illustrates that there's other factors that are involved that we're not super privy on. We don't really understand quite how they work. Here's the weird thing about it. This is what really tripped me out. I thought this would happen, and it actually did, and it was really weird. As the day progressed, I felt stronger. That was weird. Mm-hmm. That's a very strange thing. It's like I did the first workout, the second workout, I felt stronger. The third, the third workout, I was like, I already did, you know, 15 sets twice, right. you know, for, for for the workouts. Now I feel even strong. And I, I mean, is it, it was is dramatic. It, is it really that strange though? I mean, because, it makes sense. Right? Yeah, it's not that strange to me when I'm when I'm squatting. I mean, I'm not I'm not hitting the groove until yeah. third set minimum. You're really what? honing in on that signal, that skill of the exercise. You're right, and it's not, but you're, but it is weird because you're right. When you're squatting, it takes you three sets or so to warm up. This is ten sets later. Yeah, and and that's what's and obviously so you thought of, you'd be fatigued on. Yeah, because I'm right? resting in between. Yeah. In between, I'm not like I'm not sitting there like activating and priming. I was literally sitting down and writing. Yeah, I went right under the bar. And as soon as I went to the bar, it was like, boom, strong. I was like, holy. Mm. And it was a dramatic difference. So it was kind of weird. So there's no buildup like going forward into the sets like after the first few sets. No, after the, after the no, not at all. It's like the first set. After now, the first set. Now, by the fifth workout or by the, by the last two or the last workout, then I started feeling stiff. And then I had to wait after the first set or whatever. But it was like two or three workouts into it. I was feeling really strong. So that tells me that there's some. So here's the thing. So check this out, right? When they, they did studies on rats where they had them be active and everything, but what they did is they prevented their hind legs from moving. So no hind leg movement, but they had them move their upper their, their, their front legs and do a bunch of other stuff. And then they went in and they measured parts of the brain and they found that neural connections were pared down dramatically, dramatically from this. And that sounds obvious, right? Every time you move and do something your brain increases neural connections. Yeah, and then this every is no time different than if we were to have an injury and you're, you're in a cast for six months, you're going to see the same thing too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So it gets really, so it's it's pretty interesting. Now, the thing that I'm thinking that's happening, part of this is I'm creating these neural pathways and because I'm, I'm doing the same exact exercise throughout the entire day, they're solidifying and solidifying and things are firing stronger and more effectively. And then fatigue eventually sets in later and then I start to, you know, it becomes more difficult. The other thing that's interesting to me is I did a lot of work and volume in one day and I wasn't really that sore the next day. My upper body wasn't sore at all. Now, if I, had I done all that volume in a single workout, I would have been toast. Oh, yeah. Fried. You know? I would have been toast. So it's almost like it's a technique to, because you're always, that's the problem. You're always juggling between recovery ability, your body's ability to adapt, and how much you can throw at your body. And it's always this balancing act. Uh-huh. So it's like this technique where it's like, it's almost like a hack. Like, oh shit, I can throw more at my body and not compromise my body's ability to adapt and, and recover. See, now on that theory, I, I still think then the, the, the greater strategy would be to take that same total amount of volume and tack a little bit of it on each one of your workouts in the seven days. So, so here's the thing, and I, I can see where that would work, but maybe later in the day because here's the oh, problem yeah, that's what i mean that's what i mean like you gave yourself a whole day that you dedicated to so this. you're doing like a double split routine where you're training right, twice a day right although it's short though because you're only doing what 10 sets you said here's total. what i here's what i think this is what it tells me what it tells me is if you have a gym in your garage or, yeah, or right. outside probably one of the best things you could do is every time you walk by that garage you go do three or four sets of some exercises you know i got the idea from years ago i had a trainer that worked for me and he was telling me how he wanted to bench uh, 405. It was like this big goal of his. And I remember one day we were having, I was doing a, a production meeting for the, for the trainers. And after they were done, he, you know, he hung out afterwards and we were talking about his goal to hit 405. And he was, like a, he was stuck at like 375, right? Strong dude, all natural too. And he tells me, he goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to, every time I walk by the bench press, I'm going to do like a few reps with 315. So remember, this guy's max is 375. So we do like one or two with 315. He's like, I'm just going to walk by and do it. 
And that's what he did. And he worked, you know, he'd work between six to eight hours dude, every day. I did the same thing mm-hmm. with pull-ups and it blew my mind. And he did that every day. Yeah, he hit squats. Dude, he hit 405 in like a matter of weeks, a couple weeks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's the thought process that I have. And I really feel like the body probably responds better to that kind of distributed spread out type of training. Mm. Obviously, it's inconvenient as fuck. You can't do that. I know. Yeah, it's not, it's not an easy sell for people in yeah. the lifestyle. Well, there's there's today. little things. like So I remember, so I did this when I first applied. This was before long, long time ago, before I even I was like official trainer. I was, and I didn't even do it on purpose. It wasn't like, I wasn't intentionally like, I'm going to do this to mm. build my back or do this. I was like, I was just getting into working out. So I love to lift and do push-ups and pull-ups. Yeah. And you know, when you're at that age, right? And you're just excited to do stuff. You see muscles, right? So <laughs> you're fucking excited. And I was like, I don't know, 17, 18 around this time. No, no, no. I'm like 18, 19. Sorry. And I'm working at the dairy. And every time that I'd have to go fill the grain back up for the cows, I have to pass by this bar that was just about three feet above my head. And it was, it was you know, welded in and really sturdy. And I would just reach up and I would rep out as many as I could get before, you know, and it started off with like three to five, you know, that's all I just three to five of them. So every time you walk by? Yeah. And every time I walk by and I do that during uh, a four or five hour shift, I would do that four, four times or so. I'd walk by and do that. And just, and it was every day at work. I just kept doing that before it got long. I was doing like 20 and then 30 reps. Like it was nothing, dude. And I saw how developed my back got from it. And it was like a byproduct of doing that. And that was, you know, I, when I started putting all the frequency stuff together, that was like one of the things that I drew back to because I didn't do it on int- intentionally back mm-hmm. then. It was just something I did, but I was like, fuck, I do remember when I did that. And I remember the response I got. I remembered all that. I just didn't put the, the science together mm-hmm. back then as a kid. You know who does that a lot or who no- understands that a lot is Olympic weightlifters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. so the yeah. top, yeah. If you, when, the, when the Soviet Union existed, what they call it, the Iron Curtain, they, those athletes were destroying the world when it came to weightlifting. They were just crushing everybody. When the Iron Curtain fell, a lot of their coaches and training methodologies came and spread out to the West. And one of the things that they did very well was that they would do these all day training sessions, but the lifts were sub-maximal and a lot of it was just maximizing your, your form and your technique. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, you have athletes from other parts of the world now who are able to lift, you know, more weight than, than, than they were able to do before because they applied that principle. So I think it's a pretty cool little phenomena. I do remember also reading in. I don't know, it was probably muscle and fitness in the 90s where there was this article and the article was titled Gain an Inch on Your Arms in One Day. And I remember reading that and as a kid, of course, I was totally magnetized by that article. So <laughs> like an inch? Well, fuck, if I do this every day. I know, but, do that, you just do this. Push it up with your hand. Yeah, yeah. Then, But there was, there was, in the article, they talked about every other hour doing three sets of curls and three sets of tricep press downs. Every other hour? Yeah, like every other hour. Like, it's going to take you all day to do this, but you're going to gain an inch on your arms. And the author who wrote the article was some dude who was like, I'm going to test this out. And he tested it out, and he said he gained three quarters of an inch on his arms. Years later, on bodybuilding.com, I used to go on that forum all the time uh, when I was when I owned my wellness studio in between clients. I used to like, read like some of the articles and stuff. And in the forums, I love forums online, by the way. Forums are such fantastic places to discover new ideas and to, to read lots of popular anecdote. There's also a lot of shit on there too, so you got to be be able to sift through it. But there was this whole thread of people who were trying that out and people were reporting like, I gained a quarter inch on my arm. I, I, I gained a half an inch on my arm. So it's like all these are all the things I'm pulling in and, and, and that's kind of stuff that uh, that inspired me to to try this out. And by no means am I have I even formulated even what the most effective application is. I'm still testing it out. The other part of it that, I, that I'm really enjoying is as I'm active, in between when I do the breaks, my creativity is through the roof. And I learned this from Paul Check. Paul well, Check talked about this. That is something that I'm most interested in. Like that, when, just having a day like that, because I'm like, that's kind of cool, which I'm really excited. We actually calendar it for all of us, right? We're going to do that, I believe. Yes, at the end of the month. I right, think. we have that scheduled for us to do an entire day like that. So I'm pumped about that because you get like uh, do like a painting and everything. <laughs> I would love to see your well, guys' artwork. Well, what I was thinking it, cause check, uh, you know, he says you want to paint and do something creative in between. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, we can paint if you guys want, but I'm thinking we do our, our little 20 minute workout work. We come well, in and yeah, work, work maybe write a new program. Maybe we, I you know. think that'd be a funny one for maybe one of the breaks. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, so that's what I've been doing. I've been, I did that and I wrote guides, you know, last time I'm write some more guides this time and 
Right now, we're getting a lot of feedback on the the, the back pain guide. Which yeah, no, we just you know we're talking about YouTube today. Funny transition though; it's perfect because we're we did we're talking all about YouTube and building that out, and then also the back pain guide. We just did a bunch of videos to yeah. complement that guide, yeah. which I'm really excited about because we're you, getting so much good feedback. Did you guys know that at any given moment, something like one third of America is suffering from back pain, mm-hmm. like right now? Yeah. One th- so that's like how many how many mil- how many hundreds common. of millions of people live in America? Uh, Doug, is that what is that three hundred million? I think three twenty. Three hundred. So like a hundred million people, around a hundred million people, <sighs> right now They're suffer from, from back pain. Low back pain. Yeah. It's a very it's the most common type of pain that you find in Western developed nations. Well, let's look at our habits. You know, look at the way that we right. go to work. Look at the way we, you know, we're driving to work. We're sitting at work. We're doing all these things in, you know, a shortened position, and then we're getting up and we're trying to extend quickly, and we're trying to twist and turn and do things that like our body just is not expressing, and we've just shut that signal off completely. Yeah, I think the two things you could probably blame the back pain on in Western societies, the three things would be uh, being overweight. Because just because you're carrying lots of extra inactive, t- well, not inactive tissue, it's but just tissue an tissue. added amount of stress constantly. The second one would be what sitting a mm-hmm. lot, a lot. Um, and then the third one, what would be the third? Oh, I would say abdominal strength, dude. Yeah, and the lack ab- of lack oh, of, right. oh no, or, or lack of can't squat. That's the one. Yeah. People don't squat at all anymore. Yeah. You know, in these uh, in, yeah. in some of these developing nations, they don't have back pain. Yeah. And part of the reason why some experts believe is that they're able to get into a full squat and many of them sit that way. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Because that's so good for you to, to be able to do that. We yeah. don't do any of that yeah. at all. We yeah. sit all day long. And when you sit, what happens when you sit down is you disengage your core muscles. We tend to look like the letter C when we sit down. So we don't have this tall, upright part. It's funny. I looked at I was reading this art when I doing research for the for the guide. I was reading this article and this 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 uh, photographer was taking pictures of the way people sit in countries where back pain is more rare versus in places where back pain is quite common. And the way people sit when they do sit in other countries is like this. like this, re- Almost like it's a squat, but they're sitting. Like this real tall, yeah. nice tall Supported. posture. Yeah, they don't have that kind of C, that, that you know, lowercase C posture where the back is, is curved. And, and you know, when you're in a, the thing about the spine that you need to understand is the spine is, is made up of a ton of joints. Like every single, in between the the bony plates is a disc, and that's that's a joint that can move and flex. And if you were to take your spine out and stand it up, it would flop right over. It doesn't support itself. It's not a rigid structure. What supports it are all the oh, muscles, the core musculature, everything that surrounds it, and all the muscles that attach to it. Yeah. And if if some of those muscles are are tight, other ones are weak. You're gonna have, uh, you're gonna be reaching those end ranges of motion of your spine, and what's gonna support you is not muscle. Right. It's gonna be the spine itself. Well, yeah, and you see that too, even compensating, because like a lot of people at least are aware that you know if I'm protracting my shoulders a lot and I'm in this slunched over position quite a bit, like oh, I'm gonna readjust that, and so like they compensate by, you know, retracting their shoulders back, but now I'm putting all the stress on my lower back because I haven't really built up that that mm-hmm. core strength and that way to activate my core to get me in you know proper neutral spinal alignment well that's part of that's part of my biggest weakness this is this is one of the videos that we shot in the series was the zone one test and the zone one test for me why that one is such a a big test for us to do mm-hmm. is because i i it's lack rib flare yeah mm-hmm. i i my, my ribs flare out and i have that anterior anterior pelvic tilt and i have a hard time taking my pelvic and rotating it forward and I, and I just lack the ab strength and core strength. Just the connection. Yes, to rotate it forward. And then I've just, and so what happens is it just defaults back to that. And I can do everything looking like I'm normal and fine, good this, good that, all the exercises, but I'm still in that position unless I actively, you know, engage the core and then tighten that up. And then that's what, and that was what was my biggest limiting factor when I was squatting was that was so excessive and mm-hmm. bad. So you'll always catch me. You know, when I'm working out inside of here, uh, between sets, I'm going against that wall and I'm doing that zone one test and working on that. And that's why we shot that today for the the back pain video because, I, you know, I remember when I was explaining to Taylor because he's like, wait, I thought we we're going to do like this back pain series for the guide and, 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 and you're doing the zone one test in prime. I don't understand. I said, well, 
man, this has been, this is important for me. I know that for sure. And I know I can't be alone. I know I can't, I'm not, I mean, a lower cross syndrome, which is the anterior pelvic tilt, right? That, that's one of the most common syndromes found in people also. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm not alone yeah. in this problem. And most commonly, at least for all the people that I train, they just lack that control down there. You end up getting your psoas gets so tight that it pulls the hips back in that position. The abdominals are elongated and stretched out. They're weak. You're not. You're poorly connected to them, and so your default is this little this pattern where your hips are pushed out. See, see the funny thing too is a lot of people know today nowadays. This wasn't as, as known, you know, 20 years ago when I first started. But today, if you tell people like, "What's an important thing to do to prevent back pain?" They'll say, "Oh, you got to strengthen your core." You got to strengthen your core muscles. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Now go to the gym and do if core you're muscles. you're doing it right. Yeah, because what people end up, first off, they don't know how to stabilize their core in a position that's going to benefit them. Um, number two, they do ab exercises and they turn into hip flexor, flexor exercises. Only. Mm-hmm. Which only reinforces the problem. It typically makes it worse. Right. One of the biggest, most powerful hip flexors in the body is the psoas muscle. And the psoas muscle it attaches at the the femur, the top of the, the 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 big bone of your leg, your thigh. So it attaches there, and then it goes through the body, through the body, and attaches at your lower back. So it's this kind of like imagine this band from the low back to the top goes over your pelvis and attaches to the top of your thigh. Now, when you flex that, it'll bring your leg up. Okay, if you flex both of them, it folds your body in half at your hips. And this is what a lot of people's ab exercises look like. It looks like there's tall posture, flexing at the hips, and they end up working their hip flexors like crazy. Now, when I tell people that, a lot of them will say, oh, but I feel I feel my abs working. Well, you, you do because they're stabilizing. they It's like an isometric contraction. But you're not able to strengthen them through any range of motion. And really what you're doing is you're making your tight hip flexors that are probably inflamed and probably what, part of what's causing your low back pain. You're making them tighter and more inflamed because you're working them like crazy and not strengthening the other muscles, and you're becoming more hip flexor dominant, and that's what causes a lot of the problems. I used to love, you know, one of my, my specialties as a trainer, one, or or the one thing I used to focus a lot on was, you know, helping people uh, correct imbalances and alleviate pain. And I used to, I mean, I could I could say right now, 100 percent, majority of the people that come to me with pain, not all of them. But a majority of the people that come with me with pain, I could show them relief, not curing them, but I could show them a significant amount of relief in the first session. The first session, I could show them right away from the, comparing the beginning of the session to the end of the session, oh my God, I feel I feel already like 30% less pain. And I used to do that. All, that's how I used to, That was one of my favorite tools to sell personal training is they'd come to me, I'd find out, oh, your back hurts, your lower back hurts. You know, what's the, what makes it hurt? They would show me the movements. I'd say, can you bend over? they try and bend over. Oh, now that hurts. Can you twist? No, that hurts. Okay, great. Then I'd do my 45-minute correctional exercise stuff where I'm getting some muscles to fire, other ones to relax. Then i say, can you please do those movements again for me? Let me know how you feel. And they'd be like, oh my God, yeah, my pain is so much better. Boom, they'd hire me every time because they blew their mind. The thing that I think a lot of people need to understand is the majority of back pain that people have is not the pain is not because you're injured. Yeah, and you no. don't have a bad back. Yeah, no. yeah. You've yeah. been sending the wrong signal for so long. Like this muscle, like the, I guess we used to, I used to understand it as overactive, right? So, mm-hmm. so there was a certain pattern that was just way too loud, way too frequent that you were using that. You know, you're not distributing that signal to where it needs to go and, and really to recruit properly how, you know, like the muscles are, are to support your back. And um, so just like creating this loud, you know, wrong signal mm-hmm. is something that's like a default. It's a go-to constantly. And so this is aggravating uh, the issue even further. It is. Now, another big one that I used, that I learned from the health, I had a, a wellness practitioner expert in my facility and I learned quite a bit from her. I mentioned her before. One thing that she taught me that blew me away and completely, you know, it took my my expertise to a whole new level when I would work with people with back pain was this the following understanding. If you have gut inflammation, mm. you are you are gonna it's gonna be very difficult to activate the muscles of your core effectively. And as a result, you will create poor recruitment patterns. That, that come from, the root comes from the fact that you have gut inflammation. 
So when she first told me that, I'm like, ah, you're crazy. What are you talking about? What does that have to do with anything? She said, no, let me explain. First and foremost, the muscles that surround your core, including the hip flexors, first of all, are, are all over your gut. Your gut is right around them. And inflammation tends to spread. The immune system, if you have an immune reaction, tends to spread. So there's that. But there's another effect that happens as well. Many times when we have gut issues, one of the things that we feel or we suffer from is this distension of the belly. Our stomach feels mm. bloated and whatever. So that affects your posture right away. Well, it's hard. When muscle fibers are stretched in that type of a position, it's more difficult to fire and activate them. So when you have a, a gut that's, you know, if you think about the last time you ate something that made your stomach bloated, now imagine trying to do crunches and planks to activate those muscles. Right. That's going to be it's, difficult. Right. And so people are walking around with this low level of inflammation in their gut or in the rest of their body and they're trying to worry, figure out why their back hurts. One, there's that side effect of systemic inflammation that comes from gut, you know, poor gut health, which if you have elevated, le- if your immune system is stimulated in that way and you have elevated levels of you know, inflammatory markers, everything's going to hurt a little bit more. It's no different than when you have a fever and you feel achy in areas that you normally don't feel achy in. Well, that's because you have inflammatory markers are up, right? So there's that. But then there's also the, I, the, the, the problem that is I can't, activate the muscles in the, in the best way possible. So I go to these default patterns, which then encourage this type of pain. And so it's funny because once I learned that, and I would have clients who had this kind of incessant, you know, chronic back pain that was always difficult to work with, and we'd get some of it to go away, but it was always an issue. The next thing I would do with them is I would look at their diet. No, it's interesting you bring that up because that was something I didn't learn till way later. Like I didn't attribute it to to what they were eating, right? Because I figured it's just bad mechanics or some some sort of a form of, you know, like a bad posture that they're carrying around. But uh, one of my clients, we looked into that and like what was really causing the inflammation. And it was a systemic issue. Like it, like she ended up getting like arthritis and would get like knee pain. And it was like when she would introduce certain foods and not get enough sleep. And um, both those things had more of an effect on the next day of her pain than just, you know, moving a little bit, you know. Oh, that's uh, you, wrong. Sal, Sal talks about his, you know, one hour or 45 minutes with him and then being able to like blow a client's mind, like just switching some things nutritionally can do the same thing when it comes to joint pain and stuff like that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. So if you if you have the ability as a trainer to coach in that direction on both, I mean, that's what made selling so easy. But that took years to get there, you know. I wasn't there until. Well, you just, where, where would you learn it back yeah, then? Yeah. Nobody yeah. taught no, us that. figure it out. Right. No, I, I learned it from working with really talented, intelligent people from different sides of fitness that I would have never worked with had I not opened my, you know, expanded my horizon and just paying attention to how they would teach things. And rather than laughing, because my, my tendency was to sh- shrug it off. Like, what are you talking about? Like, wait, you, yeah. you, you ate bread. Yeah. You ate bread. So now yeah. your, your back hurts. Yeah. That's stupid. But I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I was, it, it does sound stupid. It, sounds stupid. it does. <laughs> bro. You just want to punch yourself in the face. Bro, like ten, really? Ah. 10 years ago, if, if a trainer came up to you 10 years ago and said to you, Oh, you know, if you tell your clients to like not eat foods that they're intolerant to, they won't have any more back pain. Yeah. You'd be like, get the fuck out of my face <laughs> with that stupid. But it's it's absolutely true. Get that, out of my face. Good, that, one, good one, hippie. That chronic systemic. Here's the other thing too about, about this inflammation that we can develop throughout our bodies is systemic inflammation. First of all, the systemic inflammation makes things hurt more. But systemic inflammation makes you move differently. And then when you move differently... Now you've got worse recruitment patterns, and now you're reinforcing that pain and making it even worse. That's another thing to keep yeah, in well, mind. Yeah, well, I mean, my, my poor uncle is a great example of this. I mean, we see him all – every time I see him, I, I feel this way. I'm like, I know how fucked up his diet is, and I know how terrible his posture is. Oh, he cracks me up. He, did I tell you he sent me a picture of the big-ass – he was eating a Sunday. Oh and he sends God. me a yeah he sends me a picture of he's like is this healthy Sal trying to talk shit yeah, yeah. I'm like come yeah. on man you don't yeah. even know what you're doing yourself <laughs> I know dude that's why I like there look you at him you're gonna pay for that he's cashed in though dude he's already on his ticket his clock backwards he's like yeah, is he that? yeah he's yeah, ten more years that's all I want anyways holy oh, yeah man. dude I'm like fuck you're crazy dude that's, like that that is hilarious it man. is hilarious because yeah. I think if my uncle is so young still man to just kind of have that attitude but you see him he's just in chronic pain and you know. He's got these poor recruitment patterns. He's got these bad habits. And, and and then on top of that, you eat these foods that are just inflaming you. It's like, dude, you can't win that yeah. way, bro. Yeah, it's just, you're just adding logs to the fire. Oh, no, man. The other thing, too, that's important when you have pain, and we're talking about back pain here, is yes, where, where it hurts, you should look. So my back hurts. Let's look at your back. But don't stop. 
look at all the other things or all the other contributing factors in the body because there's there's something called a kinetic chain, which is, you know, if I put a, a, a half an inch rise in your shoe and one of your shoes and you walk around all day, well, first your knee will hurt, but then your hip will eventually start hurting. You keep doing that, your back and then well, your neck will start hurting. Let's, let's, let's talk about that for a second. That's that's the one of the other exercises that I taught in this series that you and I just did, and that was the 90-90, which was a fucking game changer. And that's a hip yeah. movement. It's right. not your back. Right. It's your hip. And let's talk about why that was such a game changer. It's, and this wasn't something that I didn't I didn't connect all the dots until Brink. And it was because I had low back pain. And now I, of course, attribute it to the, the inability for me to rotate my pelvic into a neutral position like it should be and keep my core tight and strong there, which is definitely part of the problem. But okay, if I've always kind of had bad posture, I've always kind of been there, what has accelerated that as I've gotten older? Well, I've, excited, I've decided to, I still lift weights, I still squat, I still leg press, I still do all these movements. And when you look at my feet, on my feet were pronating. And when my when your feet pronate, if you run up the, then it ends up happening is the femur slightly internally rotates. And if I'm always walking like that, and it's so hard to see, like I didn't see that, I didn't know that until he like took me barefoot and picked me apart. But you talk about the kinetic chain and how something all the way down to my ankle. So because I lacked ankle strength and I had poor connection to my feet, I wasn't striking the ground correctly, which then caused my feet to, to flatten or pronate, right? Come in inward. And then that started to rotate the femur internally. And then that locks me into that position. So then when I get in the 90-90, oh my God, it's burning. It's so hard. Mm -hmm. But after I spent some time getting in that position and getting comfortable with that position, then I get out of it. The relief on my back was crazy. Crazy. Because when what it is, is all these muscles in my hip are, are so overactive mm -hmm. and so tight because of the bad mechanics. But then I'm feeling it in my back. So it's crazy that... It's something probably stemming all the way from my foot, running all the way up into my hip. So it's like, I don't know whenever it is. Like if someone has a back injury, like it's different. Like we're not talking about somebody who had like no, no, no. If you have an, you actually hurt yourself right. recently, and you have an injury, totally gotta, different. Yeah. But ninety nine point nine percent of everybody that's ever came to me because they have chronic back pain yeah. has nothing to do with their back. And you know what makes it worse is they'll go to the doctor, and the doctor will do an image and be like, oh, you have a bulging disc. You have a right. Slip disc. Here's the thing, by the way. Most bulging discs and most of these issues in the back are asymptomatic. So if you took 100 people and you imaged them, you'd find a lot of people with discs that didn't look perfect but don't have any pain. On the flip side, do you know how many times people go to the doctor with back pain and they x-ray and image them up, down, left, right, and they're like, we don't find, we don't know what the hell's going on. We don't know why your back hurts. Right. And they'll try and... So that's another thing too. It's not a death sentence because I've had plenty of clients who've come to me who like, hey, I have a bulging disc. I've had it for 15 years. That's why my back hurts. So then I do my assessment. I'm like, actually, your hips are immobile. You don't have good connection to your feet. You've got weak core muscles. Your hip flexor dominant. Let's see what happens if we fix all that. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, more often than not, the pain is completely gone. And sometimes it's mostly gone. Right. You know what I'm saying? It makes a, a, a tremendous difference. I had this, I just did this with my dad the other day. And the hardest people, by the way, <laughs> yeah. Doug told me this a long time yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what the quote was that Doug told me a long time ago, but like the hardest people to convince are the people in your tribe or I don't know, some, some, some quote. Do you remember what it was, Doug? Hard to be a prophet in your own country, I think. Is there it is. There it is. So my parents obviously don't listen to anything I say when it comes to <laughs> yeah. nutrition. And, I think that's and, all of us, right? Yeah, and training and all that stuff. So I was over at my parents' house and we're eating dinner and my dad's getting up and he's moving slow and my dad, you know, growing up was, and he still is extremely strong man, but he also is extremely tight. That's that's part of his other genetic uh, gift, if you will. He's just a very tight person, and he's gotten really tight as he's gotten older. So he's getting up, and he's oh, he's moving like this, that, and I'm like, what's what's going on? My back. He's like, my back always kills me. It's just I have arthritis up and down my back. It's always killing me. So I'm like, you know, I said, Dad, I said, you're if we if we stretch your hips a little bit, I bet you I can make your back pain a lot better, and it will take me maybe three minutes. No, no, you can't. Get out. You're like, listen, I know I had the x-rays. My my spine is this, that, and the other. It's up and down. It's all arthritis. I said, I know. I'm not going to make your arthritis go away in three minutes, but I bet you I'm going to make other things work better, right. and you're going to move, and you're going to take pressure off it, and it's going to feel a lot better. So what did I have him do? I had him sit down and do a hip stretch. You know what I'm talking about? The basic sitting up, cross your leg over, mm -hmm. like basic, you know, like uh, was it super regression from pigeon pose type of stretch. Sure enough, I put him in that position. 
he can't even. I his, mean, yeah, his knees straight up in the he's air. He's like this. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's sit you up against the back. I'm going to help you push your knee down, stick your chest out. Yeah. And he's like, oh my God, it's burning. My, my glute is burning. And he's telling me all these different things. I said, it's okay. Let's hold the stretch. I helped him connect to it. We did both sides. Then I said, stand up. And he stood up. And the look on his face is like, oh. <laughs> he's like well so that's all I gotta do I just gotta do that stretch all the time I said, not so fast I said, there's a lot more we gotta progress you through but it blew his mind that you know cause while I was doing it he's like what does this have to do with my back right yeah. I'm like it has a lot to do with your back you know right. this is your hips took him through it and it made a, it made a massive difference I've done this with, with my mom as well and it's like mm-hmm. you know it's that's one of the and that's one of the things I try to touch on in this back pain guide is this, these types of connections these things that aren't so obvious that you could you could read and really kind of apply to yourself and and see you know see how they work and the feedback has been phenomenal people are like oh this is and it's free you know yeah. and that's the thing i'm trying to, I, I really want us to be able to create as many of these things as possible and free make them yeah. free well, well, and valuable well, just that yeah know, valuable not free shit it's gotta be free good stuff right well, yeah, what, good we're, stuff. what we're doing and i like how we're doing it we're uh, you know we're kind of bouncing back and forth from the aesthetic stuff to the like overall health mobility type yeah. stuff so like you know you throw out the chest guide because we know there's people that want to build a chest and there's we put that out there because we know there's a high want and need for these types of things but then we also want to address the other things that we probably spent a majority of our careers in like i mean when i think of my total clients that came to me and said adam i want to build a chest like yeah i had quite a few of those people that asked for that but i had even more people that came to me that were yeah. had issues with low back or oh, shoulder yeah. or neck and had issues you know that yeah they wanted to build a chest too and lose body fat but the chronic pain that was more important to them and if you if you have these tools these resources to help you either if you're a trainer and listening if you have these resources to help oh you're invaluable yeah invaluable and if you're a per if you're oh, just a per- pain i mean pain clients are lifetime clients i mean this is something that like if people believe that they can go to you and and you know get relief but like natural relief like we're not nothing chemical based like these are just very basic simple um rituals and exercises and mobility stretches to apply to really relieve you from a lot of like day-to-day anguish so now i can just you know it's like who who wants to live with pain it's just it's a horrible place to be in well you know i always would remind the clients like when when they would complain about this you know and they're like 45 50 and they would be like oh wait till you get my age it's like no no i'm not gonna wait till i get get ahead of this now right i'm not gonna wait till i'm your age it's like what happened was you didn't wake up overnight and had back pain like it it progressively happened over years and it's years of bad habits and bad patterns this is just now your body finally screaming at you and what happens to a lot of americans is they continue to allow it to scream at them until they are told by a doctor that oh you should have surgery or we need to fuse this together or here take these these painkillers and muscle relaxers you know that's what ends up happening it's like well what if I could tell you that there's there's some moves that I promise you that if you just start to incorporate into your life on a regular basis, that literally will fucking change your life and hopefully save you thousands of dollars down the road of mm-hmm. not having to do surgery oh, or taking pills. There's massive industries out there to try and sell you some gimmicky bullshit, you know, something where you're hanging upside down constantly, like, you know, <laughs> whatever, dude. Like, I'm supposed to, like, sleep like a vampire now just because I have back pain. And, you know, like, you just have to, like... I mean, you got to get with the right person that's got the right information, got the right steps for you to take. It's a very simple process if you if you do the work, and yeah. that's the thing. I think you just got to get to the point where I'm gonna do, I'm gonna be intentional about, um, you know, my movements, my my workouts, all these things to really help, you know, aid in this. Pain, relief. pain is a signal. The pain isn't the problem. Right. You you feel like pain is the problem because that's what you feel and that's what sucks, but that's not what the issue is. That's just the signal. So blunting the signal or erasing the signal doesn't get rid of the problem. The problem is something is causing you to hurt more often than not. It's poor recruitment patterns and some kind of systemic inflammation. And if you address those things more often than not, you'll notice a significant alleviation of pain. What you don't want to do is take drugs just to get rid of that signal because you have done nothing to fix the pain. And by the way, you know why pain exists in the first place? Pain exists to protect your body because if, I, if I'm moving in a way that is detrimental to my knee and it starts hurting, 
what that's telling me to do is to stop moving my knee to prevent me from really messing it up really, really bad. You erase pain completely with pain. I see this happen all the time with cortisone shots. People get cortisone shots. Besides the fact that the cortisone shot itself starts to deteriorate the joint. The other thing is that the person is like, oh, I feel good. I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing yeah, before. Yeah. I'm going to play basketball. Yeah. And, boom, and they there goes never fix the problem. The the yeah, they don't fix the issue in the first place. And now they got to get a, here's another great example, like a, a common surgery for back pain, which I, I sometimes it's necessary, but many times it's not. And I hate it when they do it, is where they fuse the spine, right? They'll take, oh, you have this holy, really bad degenerative disc or whatever in your lumbar. So we're going to fuse you know, three segments together so they don't move anymore. Well, you're still going to move. You know what that means when those three segments can't move anymore? The one above it and the one below it got to move even more. Yeah. They're going to get all the pressure. So yeah, they're going to compensate. You know what typically happens with fusion is that the joints surrounding it start to deteriorate at faster and faster rates. And mm-hmm. over time, it becomes more and more fused to the point where now you're walking around like you have a, you know, like a broomstick for a spine. So... Anyhow, the guide is free. It's totally free. It's, it specializes in back pain, but you could take some of the concepts in there and apply it to any pain. You can find it all at mindpumpfree.com. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.